0: Just a quick note regarding this interview. There's a point where he talks about his uh, moving to Texas and the general manager that he knew lived there. His phone kind of dropped out and then it came back, and you have me here. You hear me saying, "I can't hear you. Your phone just dropped out." So I kind of left that in there just because I think it's it shows the rawness of the interview. And there's another point where uh, one of his workers comes and asks him a question and he asks to hold on a second and that takes like five seconds as well. So there's a little bit of raw stuff in this interview that I wanted you to be aware of. So beyond that, um, enjoy the show. Hey everyone, this is Mike Howell. Welcome to another episode of Anatomy of a Chef where I chat with talented chefs who make your dining experience unforgettable. On today's episode, I chat with the executive chef, Kevin Templeton, who runs the kitchen of one of San Diego's favorite hotspots, Barley Mash. Barley Mash is the fun, high-energy downtown restaurant and bar place to be for locals and tourists alike. Both the restaurant philosophy and menu offerings draw heavily from two barroom staples, beer and my favorite, bourbon, Kentucky bourbon to be exact. The food, it's as, as aggressive as Chef Kevin's heavy metal band called God Hammered. Chef Kevin has some great advice for young chefs and shares the most important lesson his father ever taught him and a technique every restaurant or business owner, for that matter, should adopt. Please enjoy the show, and I present to you Executive Chef Kevin Templeton.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. On today's episode, I have executive chef Kevin Templeton. Kevin, good morning.
2: Good morning. How are you today?
1: I'm good, thank you. And yourself?
2: Good. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you.
1: Great. I wanted to start with um, the, when you go to the website of the Barley Mass restaurant, there's a, an about video, and you're recorded on there saying the concept of bringing friends and family together in the restaurant. Can you give the listeners an idea of when they come walking through the front door of barley mash, what can they expect? What are they going to see? What are they going to smell? What are they going to hear? Give us an idea of the layout of the restaurant, how you kind of foster this togetherness between friends and family.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. It, uh, the, the video is really, really cool. It was filmed almost five years ago, so I'm a lot more fat and gray. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but we still, we still stand very, very true to that. Um, we wanted to make a place that just is a really welcome environment um, with a ton of fun and a great atmosphere. And, and like you said, you know, the sight smell hearing is, is all what we're looking for. And um, it's a really beautiful restaurant, beautifully done, wide open, a lot of wood, a lot of metal, um, big old, huge garage windows that open up. We're right on fifth and market downtown. So, you know, in San Diego, the weather is always perfect. So um, that always helps, but, uh, you walk into it's just a really wonderful, comfortable environment. Um, and we're, we're always busy. So, um, you know, the vibe is fantastic. Um, the, the biggest thing we seek out to do is just make people come in from all walks of life and be very, very comfortable with it. There's no um, uppityness or any type of, you have, can't be, you have to be a certain type of person to walk through this door. We definitely didn't right. want to do anything like that. Um, so from sitting down in a table or sitting at a bar, um, we wanted it to be a really fun environment. Um, and then that goes with the food, too. You know, they, we, we have a 64 items on the menu alone on top of, you know, four different rotating desserts. So there's something for everybody here. And uh, um, we really, it's kind of a culmination of my 20 years of cooking, just wanted to put all the stuff that I love on, on the menu and, and from, you know, hand-cut french fries piled with duck confit or pork belly and, Pepper, back, uh, pepper jack beer trees all the way to, you know, a $45 bone-in ribeye. Um, wow. So we have a little bit of everything for everybody here. Um, and it's just a cool, relaxed environment. Um, that's what I love about it.
1: That sounds like a great – I mean, the, the website looks like just a really a fun place. And I know some people Definitely. out there know yeah. – yeah, some people out there – no, I live in San Diego, and the Gaslamp District is like 30 miles away from me. And we go down there occasionally, but I'm, I think this is one place we're going to kind of cruise by and and stop in because it just looks like a fun, fun place. At least from the pictures on the website.
2: <laughs> they 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 hold true to what it is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and have you been there from the beginning? Did you help um, create the menu and open the restaurant? From, from yes.
2: Yeah, from the ground up. Uh, it's pretty much every chef's dream uh, situation. Uh, I worked for the company. It's called the Verant Group. They own about seven other uh, properties in San Diego, all really fun bars and everything. And and this one was kind of the the monster project. Um, so I worked for the company in a smaller restaurant called Offshore and uh, for about a year and got to know the owners and director of operation really well. They got to know me. And then I, I moved out to Austin, Texas um and uh loved it out there but while I was out there they were starting to kind of figure out a little bit more of the identity of Barley Mash and uh so I talked with the director of operations a little bit uh back and forth I'm just kind of helping out with some ideas and then it finally came to the point to where they're just like hey do you want to come down here and open this up for us and oh, very I cool. uh, I'm yeah being born and raised in San Diego is kind of kind of an easy choice to get back down here um yeah. but uh as, as far as the menu goes, uh, the owners had a, uh, a really fun approach to it. They wanted something, you know, over the top, full of flavor. And uh, one of the cool unique things that we have is everything had to have alcohol cooked into it um, or mm-hmm. marinated or something. And um, so that was fun. And, and those are the only guidelines I had that was it. And they said, <laughs> okay, write a menu. And uh, nice. so it was really, really fun. Um, we had a chef consultant. Uh, his name's. Chef Matt um, from Urban Solace, and he was a uh, kind of an amazing mentor for a little bit. He kind of, we kind of threw some ideas back and forth, and he threw some titles of some um, some food um, ideas around. And so it was a really cool little outline to work with. And then um, he, I just got to go from there. Get to write every single recipe, write the entire menu, help design the kitchen, um, bring on the staff from the ground up. So, it, like I said, it's a it's a chef's dream to do something like that.
1: For sure. For sure. I mean, that's, you can just, I mean, it's like making it your own. Someone else has someone else bankrolls it and you kind of make it your own. It sounds like it's kind of a cool idea.
2: (laughs) It's fantastic. You know, there's definitely the, uh, um, you know, people always say, why don't you own your own restaurant or something like that? Hey man, if I have some, some people backing me up and what I want to do, I'll I'll take that all day.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. I I hear you. I hear you. I kind of was reading around your your bio and such, and I read that you, um, you've got a wine and spirit knowledge that is kind of, I don't know if it's extensive. But the way that the article was written, it, sound, it sounds pretty extensive. How did you develop your wine and spirit knowledge? Was that just in the industry, moving up to Oregon, going to Austin, that kind of stuff?
2: The wine, it actually it was really, really cool. It kind of came... Um, so I graduated culinary school in about 98. Um, and that was up in Portland, Oregon. Um, always had a, a love for wine and just the complexity of it, especially, you know, right when you're fresh out of culinary school, I mean, that's what you do. You pair food with wine. Um, and so I came back down, worked at a couple restaurants and then I was at POE's, which is a kind of a staple tourist point in, in San Diego. Um, And while I was the sous chef there for about two years, um, I wanted to kind of broaden my horizon and learn the front of the house a little bit. And so there was an opportunity to become a manager. And so at 21 years old, I became the liquor and wine manager there. And uh, we had a 200-bottle wine list uh, that was really awesome. And, and, you know, it was um, late 90s, early 2000s. So that's when, you know, the 97 vintage were coming out. And it's just such an awesome year for wine. So I was very, very fortunate with that to mess with uh, tons of different wines, um, and I didn't get too much into the spirits. Uh, I mean, I knew a lot of, a lot about them, but I was just uh, engulfed in this big old huge storage unit of wine every single day and trying new things and uh, um, you know expanding the list. And just it was pretty darn cool. Sit and drink new wines every Monday with uh, with all my purveyors. Uh, oh, that nice. those were the days for sure. <laughs>
1: That sounds like a dream job too <laughs> it
2: was i mean, bad on the liver but uh but really, really cool yeah, I, I uh you know being twenty one it was a little i mean i i appreciated every second of it, but i mean if I could take that opportunity now being thirty seven you know I'd just dive even further into it but uh but like i said that, you know two thousand was right when the ninety sevens were maturing, and that was mm-hmm. just such a cool year for wine uh i mean you could barely have a bad wine it was awesome.
1: You know, it's, it's interesting. Most 21-year-olds don't have the palate or the inclination to even get into wines at 21. They're more, you know, they want Bud Light or some other alcohol, some beer or something. So it's kind of yeah. It sounds like you were an, an anomaly at 21 to be, but then again, it was your job to be involved. In it, wine was, yeah, it was kind of cool. It was
2: really cool. Like I said, I I really appreciated the opportunity. I still still 21 years old, so um, I got introduced to Frenette Bronco, which was a a horrible and great love relationship for about 20 years, (laughs) but but, uh, with with the wine, you know, it was, you know, it's definitely part of my job. Um, I really, I love the front of the house aspect. I was a a waiter at at several different restaurants while I was going to culinary school before that, and so I've loved the front of the house and the back of the house, Um, and so I really, really took a hold of the opportunity. Um, I love people. Um, so just, I knew this was going to further my chef career, you know, learning the front of the house, learning how to deal with people, how to talk to people. Um, and then, you know, also just collectively just doing these wines, learning about every single wine and thinking, okay, how would I pair this with this? How would I pair that with that? Um, so it was, was, uh, those, those first 10, 15 years were, were definitely like everything I did was trying to further my career. Um and yeah, I just I love wine I still do good, I still drink too much yeah, of it
1: yeah I, <laughs> I hear you that's a good lesson for for um young chefs coming out of culinary school is what you just described right there is to Absolutely. Learn as, much as you, yeah, learn as much as you can front and back and get involved in the liquor and the wine, I mean, with limitations obviously but that's a that's a great <laughs> life lesson I think is what what you just said for young folks out there. Very sense. very much so. I couldn't
2: um I couldn't express that enough. Like you, you a lot of chefs um actually I can't say a lot of chefs, but you know, you get stuck in just the back of the house and you really don't get to see the overall things and, and anybody that's been in a restaurant you know it's a front of the house versus back of the house or vice versa. And right. uh just to be able to experience those things and um I, I would recommend anybody if you have the opportunity to be a front of the house manager, do it for a year, do it for two years. You'll you'll have the largest amount of respect for every single person that has to deal with an angry guest or a wonderful guest or anything in between. And and you take that to the back of the house um, and really implement that. Um, It's something that Barley Mesh, from day one, I've been very strong about that. There's no front of house versus back of house. Um, I want every server, I want every manager to be comfortable to come back in the kitchen and talk to us because ultimately that leads to the guests. Um, right. And that's why we're here. And you know, if a guest has a question and a server's uh, nervous or a manager's nervous to come back and talk to an angry chef, then you know it's not getting purveyed back to that guest to making sure they have the best opportunity or the best uh, you know time uh, while they're there. So yeah. having that ability to to really see everything, um, I strongly recommend that to any up and coming chef. Learn everything.
1: I hear you. Um, <clears throat> I wanted, um, so you grew up in San Diego, went up to Oregon. What was the attraction to go um, venture out to Austin? I've lived in Austin. I loved it. Um, but I was kind of interested in why, what what kind of gravitated you to go out there to go check it out?
2: Austin, um, uh, I actually, so it was a, kind of a funny little story. I went out for a really good friend's wedding uh, two years prior to me moving out there. And uh, um, we went, you know, we had our rehearsal dinner on a Friday night and it was downtown Austin and, and I'm not a big crowd guy or a nightclub guy or anything like that and um, so immediately we just loved we had a cool dinner and then we were walking out on the town and just hitting up nightclubs on a Friday night and I was like no way you know we're gonna wait in line everybody's gonna be rude and uh, um, every single place we went to the bouncers were friendly and asking how you're doing and all this and uh, so just immediately I was attracted to the city like they were really really happy and um, mm. It's a lot like San Diego. I felt um, so that was a neat experience. And then um, when I worked for the Brigantine Company, which is a big San Diego staple, um, one of our general managers, her and I uh, worked at Jolla together. And then she and I opened up Zocalo, which is a nuevo Latino concept for Brigantine. Um, she's from Texas, so she
1: moved back out there
2: for about a two years.
1: Oh, your call. Your phone's dropping out. Yeah, I, I can't hear you at all. Your have, phone's dropped.
2: Happened. Uh, uh, phone. Here. All the months of my stuff, and took my dog and my barbecue and my motorcycle up there, and loved it. Absolutely loved it. You it's know, a cool city.
1: You know what? You, you just said all that stuff, and I didn't hear a word of it. Your phone dropped out.
2: Ah, crap. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, where do you want me to? Where do you want to go back to?
1: Sorry. um yeah, well, I think the last thing I heard was the general manager lived out there, and then you kind of dropped okay. off.
2: Okay, so just pick up from there.
1: Yeah, and I'll do, edit this okay. down.
2: Cool, sorry about that.
1: No, that's okay. Um
2: Cool, yeah, um, so the general manager that I worked with, uh, with the brigantine, um, she is from Texas, so she moved back out there, and for almost two years she was uh, – she was just asking me, saying, you know, come out here. You would love it. I have a restaurant specific for you. You would just have a great time. And so I had the opportunity to kind of drop everything here and uh, pack some stuff up and drove out to Texas and absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it.
1: Yeah. What, what's, um, what surprised you the most when you got out there and were actually uh, living out there as opposed to, I don't know, what, what your expectations were? What surprised you about um, that?
2: There was, I, I think it kind of, I mean, everything really surprised me, you know, thinking, not bagging on Texas, but you thinking of Texas, um, it, you know, Austin is just a very liberal, very open minded um, city and you go anywhere on the outskirts of that and it's a, it's a different area for sure. Um, so that was kind of surprising. uh but uh, it did surprise me how booming the food was. I knew the music scene was huge, but i I mean nobody mm-hmm. you can't even prepare anybody for how big the music is out there. I'm a
3: no,
2: wanna be musician do do. as well and and yeah. every bar that I went to every day just somebody just absolutely blew my mind and uh <laughs> and the food wise food wise too the the food trucks just are ridiculous um yeah. and everything it was just really really cool you every corner of Austin had a completely different style of food, or a different region of food, and uh, um, just a just an absolutely booming area. I think I was up there in around 2011, and I think that's kind of when it was just peaking, or, or getting to this just absolutely um, huge point, and I can't imagine it now. I haven't been out there in four or five years, but uh, oh my God, and the, the after hours food, like after you get out of a bar, like it, <laughs> I've never had anything like it.
1: <laughs> it's a lot of fun. We my wife and I, we left California in 2004 and we quit our job, sold our house and we moved out to Texas. And I've always wanted to live out there since I was in high school and landed in a little, little city called Dripping Springs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A little west, Northwest of downtown Austin, but we would go down into Austin all the time and walk up and down Congress street. And we took a tour of the Capitol. That was awesome. I mean, we, We've cruised Sixth Street and all the bars and the music scene and stuff, and really we loved it. And Then we ended up moving down to Houston an hour uh, a year later, and we spent the majority of time. We bought a house in Houston and stayed there for quite some time until 2010, actually. But nice yeah, we back here. I always huh? like to get other. I always <laughs> get, like to get other California transplants' reactions when they when they end up in Austin or Texas somewhere. What their take was on it, Cause, I
2: think with Austin, I mean that's the the most comfortable transition from San Diego. It just was total San Diego. You you have the hipsters, you have just really mm-hmm. cool people, everybody's open-minded. Um it's almost like San Diego on steroids, I kind of thought.
3: Um
2: <laughs> just there's everything to do there. I had some friends that I worked with, they were rock climbers. Um yeah. I like I said, I was in a, uh, I joined two bands right immediately when I got out there. So, um, and the restaurant I worked at was at South Congress Cafe. So, it just—just just so cool. Um, I loved it. It was very, very cool.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so, there's something else that you—you you, you keep referring to, and it's the band. And so, tell us about <laughs> God Hammered and you're the four members of the band. How'd you guys come together? How'd you become a member? And how often do y'all play together?
2: Very cool. I think, uh, the cool part why I do mention kind of music in with, with, uh, food is I cannot live without either one of them. Um, that they bring such a balance to, to my life. Um, and so if I didn't have one, I, the other would suffer. I, I really greatly feel that way. Um, and with this band, God hammered, uh, it's, uh, Uh, very, very heavy metal. Um, We're considered, I guess we're kind of in the death metal range, Um, but uh, it's four of my best friends. Um, We were all previously in a band uh, called Awaiting Samsara, um, and we were in San Diego. We were together for about 10 years, and we almost did the whole uh, record label and uh, signing and touring and all that stuff. Um, but we got to a point where um, the lead guitarist, he was an air traffic controlman. I was getting really strong into my um, chef career. Um, so we kind of chose just to to make it a fun thing.
3: Um,
2: and we actually split up when I moved to Austin, Texas. Um, so the, the a couple of the guys in the band um, formed another band called God Hammered where everybody kind of switched spots. Um, and, uh, so they stayed really strong, uh, while I was away in Texas. And, uh, I joined, I did vocals for a band out there and I played guitar in a punk band out there. And then when I moved back, um, they had a, a spot waiting for me as another guitarist. Um, and so it just, um, uh, just such an easy fit getting into it. The music is awesome and unique. Um, uh, we have a really nice following in San Diego. Um, you know, we're not, we don't have any expectations. We're not going to go sell a million records or anything like that, but, uh, we we play music. We drink a ton of beer. Uh, we have a ton of fun. We have a cool following. We'll play you know shows once once a month, uh, maybe maybe twice a month, um, and we try to do a lot of for the heavy metal community. Just a a lot of fundraisers and anything we possibly can to get the whole heavy metal scene uh, blowing back up in San Diego. Um, gotcha. So they they definitely go hand in hand, heavy metal and food. So they're they're my taste testers on any time I'm trying to uh, try new things and stuff. So. Um, all goes very very well hand in hand together.
1: Yeah, I was kind of musicians are creative naturally creative people and I can I was making the connection as I was kind of writing doing like the pre pre-interview questions and and kind of thinking about the interview. And I was thinking, you know, he, musically he's very creative and it only can lead feed each other back and forth back and forth. The creativity of the food, the creativity of music. I can see how the two would be a nice balance and kind of really make you uh, a well-rounded creatively person.
2: Absolutely. I think the, the creativity is, is, is really, really cool. Um, they do bounce off each other for sure. Um, the music scene, especially kind of in the heavy metal, we definitely, uh, I compare that to being in a kitchen, you know, it's, it's aggressive and, uh, um, and you know, can come off a little intimidating to a certain extent. But when you really dive into it, uh, we're the nicest people on the face of the planet. Um, our whole fan base that comes, everybody's the coolest, nicest people. Everybody's hugging each other, and uh, it's just—it's a really funny environment. And uh, and same in the kitchen, you know. Um, but the yeah, the creativity definitely go hand in hand. Um, it's their releases. I think that's where that creativity comes to it, um, and it's the biggest release for me is, is a stress relief. You know, music is my stress relief from work. Um, work is a little bit of a relief from the music side of things. And it just, it's the craziest balance that it's, it's really hard to put into words, but, uh, um, it, it, the music has completely shaped me on, on how I am as a chef, um, mainly for my demeanor, um, how I talk to, uh, my staff and, um, just how I run a kitchen. It, it keeps me nice and mellow because I get to go, you know, scream my balls off and play really loud music for three times right. a week, and uh, it's the craziest drug ever um, to um, to go do that and let some, even if you don't think you have any inside pent up aggression or anything like that. Um, when when that goes out, it just, uh, it's, yeah. I have to have it.
1: <laughs> so has, has the heavy metal is that genre always been attractive to you have you always played that kind of music or did you start out with and it just kind of was something you enjoyed but played a, a multitude of different genres or have you always kind of been heavy metal bent if you will
2: um, I've, played, I've played different genres uh, in high school uh, I was in a punk band um, and okay. I still have just a love for punk I I love really all types of music I'm a massive I'm, I'm this huge blues kick right now um, like mm-hmm. Good Blues, and then obviously moving to Austin, that just opened up my mind to everything. Um, but uh, yes, I was in a punk band with three, with two of my best friends in high school. Um, and, but uh, but I started kind of leaning towards heavy metal even then. And, and back in the day, you know, in the in the late 90s, you can't listen to punk and metal like it was just you were punk or you were heavy metal, and you, you didn't hang out with each other. And uh, <laughs> so I started kind of introducing more heavy metal riffs to the band, and and they they didn't like it and stuff. So um i kind of knew that that's where i wanted to go it was just something it was it was i I know the exact day i was watching the deftones play and um seeing chino crowd surfing on his back and screaming like crazy i just like that second i'm like that's what i want to do and uh and just this just this unbelievable feeling and uh, like i said when i did vocals for for 10 years like um it's you know people think it's, it's aggressive and uh and you just want to go out and murder everybody, but it's, you know, it is, it's a form of release and it's a cool form of art. Um, and there's a, there's a big science to it, but, uh, but when it's done right, it's, it's so cool and, uh, yeah. and it's just such a cool brotherhood. Um, so, um, but, uh, i i love all types of music. I've, like I said, I've been on a pretty big blues kick. I wish I was a better guitarist. Um, but that's kind of my next thing is to kind of just start doing a little acoustic and, playing some uh, some more mellow stuff just uh, on my own kind of thing but uh try and find time to do that it's a little rough
1: yeah so um the guitar sl- the guitar slayers out there who do you consider who do you look up to or who do you consider like a mentor in the guitar uh,
2: with gu- with guitar world um, i am not a great guitarist, <laughs> um, so but I mean I so I I mean I look up to a lot of ones I think you know in, anybody in a heavy metal scene or community looks up to uh, his name's uh, Dimebag Darrell from uh, Pantera, um, oh, okay. he's kind of un- undisputedly like the the heavy metal god of all guitars, uh, um, so just. We, we base a lot of our style of music towards Pantera and, and Crowbar, like that Southern style. Uh, so there's Kirk Weinstein, he's a he's a guitarist at Crowbar, um, and just this riff, amazing master at things. So um, I definitely look up to those kind of guys. Um, and my actual guitarist in the band, uh, we've been in bands together for going on 15 years now, and um, he is definitely a big idol of mine. He's an amazing guitarist, and. Uh, uh, he writes definitely a majority of all our music and stuff. So it's really cool to kind of look at him as, him as a mentor. Um, and oh. it's, it's nice to, to, in this kind of band situation, he's definitely the, the band leader of this, uh, band. And it's really cool because, you know, cooking all day and being a chef, um, it's neat to get into a situation and let somebody else kind of lead the way. Um, and you know, we're very open. We all feedback on each other and, and ride riffs together and everything, but, uh, it is kind of nice just to let go a little bit and let somebody else take, take the reins for a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> I'm going to get back. Um, that kind of cool. I love, thanks for sharing that. That was, that was really awesome. Oh No problem. No problem. Um, I want to get back to, to the restaurant and then I have some other, um, standard questions I like to ask my chefs and stuff. There was, um, an interview where you were asked about the gas lamp, the historic district and the competition amongst the other restaurants, and you didn't see it as competitors, but instead businesses that complement one another as a joint community. How does, yeah, how does Barley Mash um, complement the other establishments in the area and vice versa?
2: Um, I think you being from San Diego too, you you can see how crazy um, the gas lamp has grown over the past few years. Um, me being born and raised here, you know, downtown was kind of the place not to go to back in the day. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, and it just, I'd say for the past ten years, it's just it's blowing up, and there's a lot of cool restaurants, a lot of um, amazing chefs coming in here, just neat little pockets. And uh, um, and uh, what I love about it is is it is a, it's a cool tourist point. Um, Let's see if I can word this correctly, but, uh, but I really just, yeah, I don't look at it as a competition. We, you know, right across from Searsucker, which is an amazing restaurant, um, where, you know, we can might even have a little similar styles or like flavors, but they have a different, uh, style of food over there. Um, we have a different one We're next to blue point, there's just all these cool up and coming restaurants. And, uh, and I really look at it as when we do events together, there's a lot of, uh, the lamplighter association, which has been great um, getting us all together and doing fundraisers and, events. And, uh, um, I just see it as, you know, if, if in San Diego, what I really see, if you kind of alienate yourself and think you're better than everybody else, you're going to get pushed out real, real quick. Um, without naming restaurants, there have been restaurants from other cities or areas coming in just to to guns blazing saying they're going to just kick downtown's ass and they're going to take over everything. And, and they just immediately go under, um, and it, and it just is, I, I really feel there's this good neighborhood feel where, um, you know, the chefs around here, uh, the managers, everybody really respects each other. Everybody comes and supports each other. Um, we you know, that's one thing I love about Barley Mash is that we really consider ourselves a, kind of an industry bar restaurant. Um, and, uh, and that's what I really pride myself on when other managers of nightclubs or restaurants, when they decide to come here to have a meal or come here after work to have a drink. And, uh, um, that's what I love about it. You know, there's no oh, cool. animosity, and um, and I really feel that you know, San Diego downtown, um, San Diego in general, we just have that mentality as as a as a city to just be kind of welcoming, and 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 there's plenty of room for everybody. Um, and you know, the more welcoming everybody is, and the more that Everybody's kind of symbiotic and working with each other. The more people are going to gravitate downtown, and it just gives people a better option of things to do as opposed to just the one place to go. Um, Another cool mentality we did with Barley Mash where the owners really said it just perfectly is, you know, there's some destination restaurants, there's some amazing, you know, fine dining restaurants in San Diego um, that you go to on your anniversary, you go to on Valentine's Day, and and we really, really want a Barley Mash to be the place where you go six days a week, Um, you know. And that's, that's kind of how we wanted to do it. And, uh, um, and so I think that's really helped out a lot, too. Um, we're we're an, a thing for everybody here.
1: Right. Cool. I love it, love it. Yeah, let me other know if I'm getting sh-
2: too tangenty.
1: <laughs> <laughs> other than a sharp knife, what kitchen tool can you not live with and why?
2: I was trying to think about that the other night. Um, the, the next one would go to a mandolin, but that kind of goes with a sharp knife as well. Um, I think <laughs> some tools of the trade for me, I would say, I mean, especially Barley Mash and at my home and everything is an immersion blender. Um, those little hand blenders, I think those yep. are the, just the coolest things on earth. Um, so other than a sharp knife, that's, that's my that's my go-to. Uh, we have the big 750 watt immersion blenders because uh, we're making um, everything here from our mayonnaise to our mustard to our ketchup um, so we have two of those just going full blown all day um, We, I think in our five years we've blown through probably about eight or nine of them and oh they're about a $900 each so we're we're putting them to work and at home I have an awesome uh, all I have a all clad one um, that is just unbelievable so that is my go-to for sure.
1: Cool. If you had to choose three herbs or spices for the next year, what would they be? And salt and pepper don't count.
2: Yeah. So herbs and spices. Um, chives are definitely a go-to. We, we do a lot of uh, fresh herbs and everything. So um, our little herb blend right now is uh, chives, thyme, tarragon, parsley. Um just kind of tarragon's our little outgoing one. I really love the flavor of tarragon. Um so I would say, you know, chives and tarragon as far as those go. Spices, um, any dried chili uh is just a must for me. I'm a chili freak, so mm-hmm. we use everything from smoked paprika to chili d'arbal to cayenne to um a lot of uh, ancho, ground ancho. Um, so the complexity of something like ancho, we put that in a, our seasoning, or it's like kind of a chili rub that we put on top of our French fries, on our burgers, mm. uh, in all of our meats, and a ton of our seasonings, and it's just a, such a go-to, like full-bodied flavor. So um, if I have to narrow it down, it would be you know chives uh, and ancho powder for sure, or ancho chilies.
1: Do you ever do you guys bring in the dried chilies, reconstitute them, do that yourself, or do you kind of buy them already pre-ground?
2: Um, I, so we have different aspects of it. Our our whole dry storage is filled with uh, we have um, dried guajillos and dried anchos that we use for our barbecue sauce. So we'll we'll re, we'll deseed those and reconstitute those. Um, okay. I get ground ancho powder for our um, for our chili rub, and then um, our walk-in is filled with uh, we have serrano chilies, habaneros. Paseo chilies, jalapenos, Fresno chilies, um, a, a big, big, big part of my life is that Latino cuisine, uh, you know, being in so- Southern California. Um, so chilies, cilantro, cumin, coriander, those things are just a must in my life.
1: Okay. I'm coming to your restaurant because I love all that stuff. Too. <laughs> <laughs> if it's got... You definitely need to. <laughs> if it's got spice in it, I'm all over it. I love that stuff. Bring that That's on. pretty cool. We-
2: we have a really cool. we uh, I did it at another restaurant. We brought it here, but it's a habanero jelly um, that we put. We make from scratch, and uh, we put it on top of a couple of our one of our burgers and on our fries and everything. And uh, it's just oh, wow. such a cool flavor. Habaneros are just so ridiculously amazing and complex. You know, you have the citrus notes of them, um, but through uh, so toying with it, always uh, finally my favorite recipe is it's literally just habaneros, um, apple cider vinegar, sugar, and fruit pectin, natural fruit pectin and and it like that's all you need and just has so much body and flavor to it. It's so cool. It seems like you have a million ingredients in this really simple, uh, jelly, but, uh, so if you kind of let so these you, things do their own thing, that's the best.
1: Do you, do you, um, do you let that sit and cure for a day or two before you use it or do you use it right away?
2: Well, uh, we definitely have to let it cool down for sure. Um, but, uh, it's, it's a really quick process. Um, I, Take the habaneros, uh, puree them up to real fine little specks, Um, bring up, uh, I think it's equal parts sugars and apple cider vinegar, bring that up to a boil, add the habaneros and try not to inhale, Um, bring that to a simmer, and then uh, um, we we add a bunch of uh, the natural fruit pectin, bring that up to a simmer, and uh, um, once it's done, cool it down, and that's it. I mean, no salt, no pepper, no nothing, and it's just freaking awesome. People actually take it uh, um, a side of it and they'll pour it in their beers to get like a, Oh, a interesting. A little spicy overtone and stuff, too. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's yeah. diver- And it doesn't kill you. It's super spicy, but it, it doesn't kill you. It'll get you a little bit, but then go away.
1: So, yeah.
2: I love about yeah.
1: it. That's a cool thing about habaneros, I think, is they're really, really hot. But if you if you treat them really well, you get a little bit of the heat, and then it kind of dissipates, and it's like, oh, that was really good. And Yeah,
2: you get so many flavors from it, too.
1: I love that stuff, So what has become more important or less important in the last five years? And it doesn't have to be related to food, but it could be any part of of your life.
2: Um, With me, I think, you know, on the the food aspect of it, uh, you know, I'm always selling the brand of barley mash, but uh, um, I came from Mm -hmm. a fine dining background. um, And I think there's a lot of being in San Diego, but that's less important to me now, you know, um, more and more. I appreciate it. I mean, and you know and, and the Michelin star chefs and, and the amazing chefs and and the service you can get from fine dining. I appreciate um but what I tend to see that I'm that I'm steering more away from is just getting more casual. I think you can still bring amazing food um just as good um but in a more casual environment and I think that's mm-hmm. just really San Diego and that's very barley mash too. Um we've, uh, it's once again, all the, everything in the menu is a kind of a, a little twist or culmination of stuff that I've done in the past or, or experienced in the past. And, um, and, but I throw it on top of a pile of French fries or something, you know? Um, So I think that's a a big one for me. And like I said, I'm definitely not knocking fine dining, but uh, I just, with me getting into my age and everything, I just want to go have really good food, uh, grab an awesome beer I don't need four different forks and uh, and a foam on top of something to really appreciate it, you know. Um, and one thing I do notice, you know, coming into it, when some places do tend to be or call themselves fine dining or act like it, it, it the food never seems to like live up to it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, when you when you have crazy big words and and this and this and and once again, you know, switching out a fork and and uh, palate cleanser to this, it, it it never seems to really live up to like Ah, oh, that, that sounded amazing on the menu and then you get it and you're like, ah, damn
1: <laughs> And I paid what for this, right? <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. And that's you know, that's not saying every meal I've had some absolutely just ridiculous meals that just blow my mind. But uh but most of the times when I am just in awe is when it's just a crazy casual, um, awesome environment.
1: Gotcha. Have
2: what you did, when you were in Austin, did you did you ever eat at Barley Swine? Did you ever eat there?
1: No, I don't believe we did. Oh, we...
2: That was one of the best meals of my life, for sure.
1: Um, was it I, – I didn't even hear of it. Was it around back in 2004, 2005, do you know?
2: I don't believe so. It, so it was um, – I forget the name of the, it. Something Jack something. It's like a big steakhouse, like Texas kind of restaurant. But uh, it's the guy um, – it's his son – um he was on like uh food and wine and all that stuff as like one of the top ten chefs to look out for around 2011, 2012. Okay. and uh, um I forget his name, but uh but so he had a food truck called the odd duck um that was getting some uh, some press and everything and then he decided to open this barley swine and uh and it just like ridiculously amazing um like small bite food um when you when you walk in you literally order everything on the menu and you pay a lot of money for it but uh, and it's like one bite, but it's like it's the most comforting, like, every bite, you're like, oh, my God, you're familiar with every bite of it, and it's just how oh, wow. it's presented, and it, it just was unbelievable. Um, so that was that was cool and inspiring, and it was a nice little niche between kind of a casual environment, um, extremely well-thought-out food, and the, the most amazing flavors, but um, the chef's standing there wearing a T-shirt, you know? I mean, he's, he's using tweezers to put everything together, but uh, oh, okay. he's wearing a T-shirt. Um, oh, so I, I really like that kind of thing.
1: Oh, that's cool. No, unfortunately, we didn't didn't have the opportunity to do to get there for that. That's too bad. It was so, cool. I'll check it out though. So, what was the best lesson your father ever taught you?
2: Um, I think overall with my dad, um, I think his demeanor. Um, you know, not one specific lesson, but just how he handled everything was just so cool and collective. Um, he, you know, uh in an aggressive world and everything, you know, everything going on, he always was able to stop and sit back and, and just kind of like soak everything in and then, then make his decision. And, and I think that's something that I, I'm very fortunate I got from my father. Um, hmm. He was uh, just always calm and collective and, you know, no matter what, uh, in a situation, even if you could tell, he's like about to blow up, he just kind of would sit there and just kind of, kind of think about things first. And um, so that's the best lesson. And, uh, he was an amazing uh, backyard grill barbecue cook. So, um, can you hold on one second? Sorry about that. I, good. How are you? Good. Good. Do you mind talking to Andy real quick? I'm on a phone Thank you so much, dude. Andy's back on. Yeah. Thank you so much, dude. Cool. Sorry about that. <laughs>
1: That's okay. That's okay.
2: Um. Yeah, he was an awesome uh, barbecuer. The guy was a a master at the Weber. So he was kind of that inspiration as far as uh, trying new things and uh, not letting any boundaries uh, hold you back.
1: Oh, cool. Very cool. Being, um, or not being, but having the opportunity to kind of open up Barley Mash from the very beginning, can you kind of, is there something that stands out in your mind that you guys, that you as the group, a team, were trying to do four years ago that, that really didn't work and then you changed course and now the restaurant is kind of really, because really, um, how am I trying to think of the right words to express it? What wasn't working and now um, it's working and now it's successful. Does that make sense?
2: Absolutely. No, I, I read that in the, uh, um, on the email and I got really excited about that because uh, I, I think if there's any lesson any up-and-coming chef or restaurateur needs to know if they don't already know, is it's adaptation. You have to adapt to your environment, and uh, um, I think we did that really, really well. We, you know, we opened up with a cool concept, um, but people didn't understand it. You know, we're kind of a sports bar, um, and uh, with with some crazy food, and and so you know, in the beginning, I, w- I was very adamant about you know, no, I can't have Heinz ketchup in here. It's only our ketchup, and Um, only these kind of things. And, you know, we have a demographic of people that don't understand that. Um, So I got organic ketchup and, you know, just to, just to appeal to a certain demographic where not saying that's everybody that comes to their door, but you have to adapt. Um, And, you know, we, uh, everything was kind of meant to be uh, like shared food Uh, We very big portions. And it was kind of, we have these big community tables and it was meant to be a place where you know, 10 of your friends come in and everybody just buy a ton of stuff on the menu and everybody share. And, uh, um, a lot of people still do that, but a lot of people just want their own items. So we kind of had to adapt to that too. But, uh,
3: um,
2: just with the ongoing environment, uh, everything we're, we're constantly, every week we're looking at, you know, what can we do better? How do we do this? Um, you know, with, um, also efficiency in the kitchen too. Um, you know, being a chef, you're very stuck in your ways on, how you want this to be, and this has to you know um, and you know you always hold true to those kind of things, but you you know if you can make something a little faster, if you can uh, you know be more efficient here to make sure that the guests uh, get stuff out a little bit quicker, you know um, just there's so many aspects of it where you can't be stuck in one thing of saying, "Hey, this is my restaurant, this is what we do, um, take it or leave it because you're going to get burned real quick. Um, you have to adapt to your environment.
1: Well, that's awesome. That's a great, another great life lesson. You're just full of them today. That's great. <laughs> I'm full of something. <laughs> <laughs> imparting all this knowledge on everybody. That's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, I got the my one last question, that my challenge question that I ask all the chefs that I interview, and then we'll um, kind of, you'll give us the information where we can get a hold of you, and then I'll let you go on your, on your day. You receive a request to cater a dinner party for 25 guests with a budget of $500, a whopping $20 a person. The menu is <laughs> to include two hors d'oeuvres, two entrees, and a dessert. What would you create?
2: Ah, so 20 bucks, huh?
1: <laughs> yes, um, a, you need to be really creative here to make some money on this. Yeah, I think um,
2: coming from... Uh, you know, once kind of getting with the brand of uh, barley, um, it, with with a low budget on certain things, um, we we resort to our bread. We bake our own bread every single day. So um, one of the first hors d'oeuvres definitely would be our house-made pretzels. Uh, I'm obsessed with them. Uh, we bake them every single day, and it's you know it's a lot of labor, but it's a cheap product um, to to produce. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say our, our house-made pretzels, we have a honey porter mustard, uh, and then we have a, a roasted poblano beer cheese sauce that goes with that. So um, that would definitely be one of the, the first additions. We've all, we've taken that uh, in a couple beer dinners and actually stuffed them with sausage, too, and then baked them off, too. So that was a pretty nice little oh, cheap nice. thrill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, then another one for, you know, going on another spectrum for, for a little amuse or a, um, hors d'oeuvre. Um, I'm a big uh, local seafood guy. I love, um, being in San Diego, you know, we have access to everything. So, um, I am obsessed with albacore instead of ahi. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I would do our, we have a wonderful, um, albacore pokey here. So just some fresh, uh, fresh caught albacore diced up with our homemade teriyaki. Uh, we do a little, it's our version of kimchi. It's a kind of a white trash kimchi. It's a beer brined, uh, Cabbage and, and everything. Uh, we use uh, mm. we used to use PBR, but we use Bud Light now. Um, but uh, throw a little bit of that in there, a little wasabi cream, some toasted sesame, and uh, we have some uh, amazing uh, homemade wonton crackers that we bake. So, um, oh, okay. what I love about alba- AlbaCore uh, right now, we're getting it fresh caught every single day, and it's nine ninety nine a pound. So, um, it's a nice, Dang. nice fish to have at a reasonable price too.
1: Yeah, for sure. What about the entrees?
2: All right, so we're going two entrees. Yep. Let's see, Let's see. Um, I'm just gonna think a couple of my favorites right now. Um, I'd say we, one of our staple items, one that I I would do is uh, it's our coffee and stout braised short ribs. Um, I know short ribs are kind of a they've been a popular thing if not uh, over over past their prime now, um, but I am obsessed with uh, just slow braising things. I um, love
1: them. I love them, love them. Yeah. I'm, I'm with uh, you. I love these things.
2: Cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we we do, we we do a coffee stout braised short ribs, um, and we do – it's arugula mashed potatoes. I do a, a really nice arugula puree, and we just mix it in with our garlic mashed potatoes. Um, and every day we get different uh, vegetables from local farms or farmer's markets, uh, and so – that varies every day. Um, we'll take the actual braising liquid and reduce that down uh, for a really nice, uh, and I add a little bit of horseradish to it to make like a coffee and stout horseradish uh, demi glaze to go with that,
3: mm.
2: and we'll put a little bit of some crispy onions on there. So uh, once again, it's a, a nice, uh, really nice uh, dish that is relatively low in cost, so and okay. and satisfying.
1: <laughs> Love it. What's number two?
2: All right, number two, we'll go seafood. Uh, okay. Uh, um, let's see. So I'm a big once again uh, tailing back on things. Um, I'm a big fan of sustainability, uh, and so everything that we have has to be fully sustainable. It has to be, you know, thumbs up on the Monterey Bay Aquarium um, uh, list of fish that's uh, that's uh, processed or sustainable farmed or, or um, caught. And so cobia has been my new uh, um, obsession. Have you heard of that?
1: No, I haven't heard of Kobe fish. No.
2: It's a cobia. C O B I A.
1: Cobia. Okay.
2: So look that up. It's really cool. It's a there's a uh, article on National Geographic that did something on it. And uh, it's just it's one of the most sustainable types of seafood out there right now. Um, but it's this wonderful white fish uh, that I mean almost like cross it between like a halibut and a swordfish. It has like a nice um texture of a swordfish. It has no very little oiliness or, or gaminess if you say. Um just a good sturdy whitefish that we use for our ceviche, um, we use it for our fish and chips and we do um a cool little uh dish that I really like. Um what I would do is is we do a togarashi crusted um cobia and we sear okay. that and then I have some uh peewee potatoes baby bok choy and uh, it's all sitting in a nice little pool of it's a, a garlic ponzu broth oh, okay. um, so it's a nice very 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 Asian um, I did sushi uh, or I trained with sushi uh, sushi for about a year um, with a friend of mine and so those kind of flavors uh, along with Latino flavors and everything I always just have a very warm part of my heart especially for a really good ponzu um, mm-hmm. So okay. I think that would be that'd be another dish okay. that I would do for sure.
1: So, um, nice the Cobia, I'm sorry, the Cobia, is it off of our waters or is it further South?
2: It's further South. It's, uh, it's actually, so it's, it's farm raised. It's deep in, uh, farm raised off of Panama. Um, oh, okay. it's really cool. You'll, you'll really like it, uh, looking it up. It's just so cool. They, so the, the, the type of fish that it is, um, they, they love being close to each other. They grow rapidly. Um, it's, Deep in the water, so there's uh, no chance of you know disease or anything going on. Um, so it's a it's a neat process, and uh, um, we we're luckily one of the one of the first restaurants in San Diego to kind of jump on on it and uh, just obsessed with it. And then the, the company kind of had to do some restructuring, so they dropped out for a while and couldn't get a hold of them for about a year. Um, and now it's back and running. But uh, okay.
3: um, when you come
2: down here, we'll we'll I'll definitely introduce you to it and um, check okay. it out. But it's just it's it's a super fish for me and. And I mean, we could have a whole nother podcast on how much of a hippie I am as far as sustainability (laughs) and composting and, and recycling and all that stuff. Um, So um, that, that could be a whole nother day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So what dessert would you make for this? this, uh,
2: Desserts. um, For me, I am stuck in the nineties. I would love just like a, uh, roasted banana cheesecake um that's something we finally switched it up i, I made my pastry uh cook uh, she put that on for about two years but just a roasted banana cheesecake with caramelized bananas on top um use a little banana liqueur in it um i'm, I'm a sticker for that kind of stuff maybe you do a little uh little
1: chocolate in there too sounds delicious that's yeah,
2: awesome i know it's a, it's a, everybody was, it was, all my staff when, when we put it on, it's just something that I've always loved and I've had it on a couple of my menus and, um, done different versions, but they everybody's like, oh, it's so amazing. I'm like, it's, I mean, I've been doing this since the nineties, <laughs> but, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's tried and true for sure. <laughs> there you go. There you
1: go. <laughs> well, you survived the challenge question. That's awesome. It sounds like good stuff. Thanks. So.
3: Great stuff.
1: So I want to, um, I want to thank you for, for being on the show and I want you to let people know how they can get a hold of Barley Mash or get a hold of you and if you've got a, a email or social media accounts and that kind of stuff. So how can we get in touch with you?
2: Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you very much for having me on too. I really appreciate it. Um, you can, I am terrible with social media, um, but we do have a <laughs> Facebook um, account. It's Barley Mash. Um, I think we have an Instagram as well. Um, I can get back to <laughs> yeah. you on that. Um, but okay. anybody has any questions or or anything along those lines, uh, my email is really simple. It's Kevin at Barleymash.com. Uh, so easy one to remember. Um, that's the best way to get a hold of me with questions or concerns or anything. I'm checking that constantly. Um, and uh, yeah, come on down. We're 605th Avenue. we so it's it's the heart of Gaslamp area. That that this intersection is pretty much the heart of San Diego. Um, and it's just such a cool location, a cool spot. Uh, the, the gas amp associations working on building like kind of a big uh, one of the, um, like a crest that goes over the whole intersection within the next few years. And oh, nice! Just really, really cool. I, I do love to see, like I said, being born and raised down here, um, just seeing how downtown's growing, and it's growing in such a cool manner with such rad restaurants and so many amazing yeah. bars. It's a, uh, it's exciting.
1: It's, yeah, if you look on for those that are listening, if you look on Google Maps and you just type in Barley Mash, you can see that it's close to the convention center. It's close to the baseball stadium. It's kind of it's within blocks of walking around of, of all it's those places. It's a cool. So, yeah, it's right there mm-hmm. in the in the heart of of everything for sure. Well, Kevin, I, I really was, appreciate uh, you coming on. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, no, I was just gonna say, yeah, it's like Chase Bank or. Washington Mutual or some bank, um, it was it was kind of cool. We were looking at uh, somebody was ch- signing up for their checking account and um, the picture of the corner of Barley Master was on their bank, like talking about San Diego and stuff like that. That was kind of neat. <laughs> uh,
1: that is kind of cool. That's free advertising. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get that, yeah, get that anytime you can. That's awesome. Absolutely. So thank, thank you very much for your time. Um, I'm going to let you go so you can get off on with your day. And, and um, once again, appreciate it. This was a, this was awesome had a great time, and I cool. really appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you. Well, I
2: appreciate everything. Please uh, please come down to visit, and uh, if you ever want to go out to the desert, you you can uh, experience some good cooking and shooting with us. So, Sounds
1: like and a plan. Like that could be right? a whole
2: other podcast yourself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, maybe you bring the portable stuff along. That would be awesome.
2: Absolutely. All right, but uh, have a, Yeah, keep have in touch, and, and come on down oh, Okay. Cool, cool. We will. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Yeah, come come down anytime and just uh, get a hold of me, and we'll we'll take really good care of
1: you. Oh, I plan on it. I mean, we'll make it. We'll, make, we'll plan on that. I appreciate it.
2: Awesome. Make, have,
1: awesome. A, have a safe trip on your trip out to the desert this weekend.
2: Thank you, sir. Have right,
1: a good talk day. You, later.
0: you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Be sure to visit us at aoashef.com for all the show notes. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at aoashef. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.